thanks for being with us to worship today. I wanna to welcome you, those of you joining us online, those of you in the room in Mesa, those of you in the room at Fountain Hills and at South Mountain. We've got a lot of good things going on today. I'm gonna to do a little bit of a transition moment right now as we talk about giving and let you know some of the things that our church has been doing. First off, I wanna celebrate, we just did our big chosen Christmas push where we wanted to love foster kids and foster group homes. And y'all, we had three rooms packed, a wall to wall full of presents that you brought for, for Chosen. And then uh, some of you gave, you said, hey, I don't wanna do this shopping, I'll just give you money and you shop. I totally get it, that's what I would have done too. But you all gave $42,000 for presents. So there are 41 group homes that we gave presents and groceries and just were able to love on. And you know, that's so powerful that we get to show people the tangible love of Jesus that way. At this church, we're not just telling people that Jesus loves them, but we're showing them Jesus loves them. And every time I see one of the kids from those group homes get baptized in our church, which is happening more and more, you know, that gets me, it makes me emotional because it's cool to, to give a, a kid some Christmas presents, but it's even greater to introduce them to Christ. And ha so they'll have their own saving faith in Christ. So thank you for being generous. And that's just one of the things we're doing. I wanna let you know also that uh, we did our I Love My Church end of the year giving last week. And so far y'all gave $162,000 for that. And I wanted to celebrate you and thank you for being generous. You can still give to that, by the way, through the rest of the year. You can just mark that as for that offering. And God's just doing a great thing in our church. And I've always believed where he guides, he provides. And he provides through his people being generous. Just thought it was cool this week. A guy who doesn't even go to this church messaged me and he said he wanted to give us $89,000 uh, because he just wanted to be a part of supporting the ministry of this church. He said, I know you guys are reaching people and he's passionate about reaching people. And you know, there are some pastors, they would say, don't tell people that because then they'll think you don't need them to give. <laughs> no, but that's not how the spirit of generosity works. Generosity is contagious. And I wanna share those things with you because it just confirms that God is doing something special in our church. He's showing us favor, he's providing, he's raising up people. And we don't have like a wealthier than average church, but we have a more generous than average church, which is really cool. That's very biblical and cool. Um, in fact, I'm really celebrating this today that, you know, as we just completed this really big building project and we moved into this building in Mesa, um, a lot of times churches will finish a big building project and then they'll be very financially strained because of the increased uh, costs, but we are not. We're in a strong position, a healthy position. And when we started building uh, the building in Mesa here, our church's um, monthly mortgage payment was about 8% of our budget, which is really good. That's a really low percentage. And in the meantime, as we've uh, built this facility, we've grown as a church to the point that even now with the larger mortgage payment, it's still only 8% of our budget. Isn't that cool? And if you understand budgeting, if you don't understand budgeting, go to Financial Peace University, get your Dave Ramsey on, come on. What that really means is that's, that's more money we can put towards reaching people and building disciples. And that's what we're really 
passionate about here. So thank you for giving. Thank you for honoring the Lord with your finances and being generous and obedient. And I just pray that God would continue to bless you. We're going to go to the Lord with our regular tithes and offerings right now. And our team's going to prepare to receive that. I know a lot of you give online, and I, I love to give online. It's convenient. Um, I use automated giving, so I don't forget. Uh, but a lot of you give in the service as well. If you'd still love to give to the I Love My Church offering, you can do that throughout the rest of the year. I'm going to pray. And then today you're going to receive uh, a message as we continue our Advent series that I think will really bless you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for everything you've done for us, how you continue to provide for us in this church. And you work through this church by working through the people in this church who are faithful and they're generous, Lord. I pray your special blessing and favor on each and every one of them, that they'll experience physical health and financial provision and relationships that are thriving in their families, God. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in new ways and greater ways consistently because you are good, you are faithful. And the more we know you and understand your love, the more we realize how much we have to be grateful for. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, today you're gonna to hear a special message from our own church family member and uh, one of our favorite people. Uh, my friend, Pastor James McDonald is gonna continue our Advent series. And he's gonna bring you a message on joy today. So if you need some joy, give God praise right now and welcome Pastor James. Hey, good morning, good morning, everybody. I know, I know, I know, I can feel it from you when I get up, or it's like, oh, the second string guy again. <laughs> and uh, that's okay, we're gonna have our, uh, we're gonna have our uh, starting pitcher back on New Year's Eve. And we've been in this great series that has been a blessing to us, this just using these words, this is all um, very much part of Protestant, at least Christian tradition, is to choose these four words, they kind of vary from year to year, a little bit faith and love and hope and joy and peace. And um, so we're lighting the candle of, I was so nervous I was gonna mess this up. Why does childproof always mean adults can't do it? There we go. And so we're lighting the candle of joy today. Joy is a tall order. For a lot of people at Christmas, you'd think it would be automatic, but it actually isn't automatic. Did you know that, well, um, how many people have heard the statistic that uh, suicides increase significantly at holiday times? Okay, well, that's not true. And that isn't actually what happens. Uh, suicides, a difficult, difficult subject, are lowest in the month of December which actually is because I think uh, people who are really, really hurting and having terrible, desperate thoughts are like the rest of us in that they hope that something in the holidays is gonna turn that around. And so December's actually the lowest month. Americans are really famous around the world for trying to fill up the emptiness in their lives with something at Christmas, something fulfilling, trying to fill our lives with something, fill that hole in our hearts that so many feel. Um, a lot of Americans this year, again, are trying to fill um, that hole with you know, gift giving and the debt that comes with it. The average American is gonna put $1,300 on their credit card and 65% of those um, haven't paid off the 1,300 from last year yet. So um, not awesome, that's tough. And then 
Uh, people who like to drink, drink more and a lot more. They, they say that drinking uh, doubles for really everyone at Christmas. So uh, double the drinking, double the danger, double the people on the road, double the people going off the road, double the pay attention, okay? And that's going on at Christmas. And then I read this, I thought this was interesting. Um, people trying to fill up on giving and on drinking and 22 million turkeys will be consumed this year by Americans at Christmas. That's 165,000 tons of turkey. Wow, that's a lot of turkey. And, um, but you know, it's, it's a promise that doesn't get kept. And a proverb says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And, and January and February can be especially dark if Christmas again this year really never sees the sun of joy uh, rise in our hearts. So I'm going to call this message, if you want to open your Bibles, please, to uh, Luke chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third gospel, and Luke chapter 1. And um, I'm going to call this message, Filled with Joy When I Feel uh, Forgotten. A lot of people feel forgotten at uh, Christmas, and we're going to look at the story of Maybe you haven't seen this for a long time. I actually, it wasn't fresh in my mind until I studied it again this week. And this couple, do you know their names? Zachariah and what's his wife's name? Elizabeth, good, yeah, yeah, Elizabeth. They're kind of cheesed about the Christmas story, honestly, because they're like, we just missed one thing, like they're family. And we just missed one thing, we missed the stable, but nobody ever mentions us, we're not in the Christmas pageants, we got no part in this thing at all. And you hardly ever see little kids with the house coats on in the manger. Like, I'm Zachariah. Like, they, they're just left out. They are kind of forgotten from the story, but more importantly, the circumstances of their life, I think, not only caused us to believe they may have felt forgotten, but even more so, I think, um, you know, like God had forgotten them, maybe. So, anyway, if you're ready to jump into God's word, say jump. Here it is, uh, Luke uh, chapter one, verse five. In the days of Herod, the... All right, that was weak. That was really super weak. So we need a little Herod tune-up because you guys, you guys you really missed your chance there. In the context, if, if, first of all, Herod is not a name. The Herod that is mentioned here um, is completely different than the Herod that was there at the crucifixion of Jesus. There's completely different than the same family but the Herod in Acts chapter 12 where James is being um, executed and Peter is in prison, all different guys. So Herod's the name you got when you became king, but this one was especially dark. We have his deeds recorded in history. He gives um, tyrannical despot a whole new meaning. Um, this Herod was ruthless. At one point in his rule, he was short of money in the king's treasury. He killed the 45 richest men in the country and took all their money. Not unlike Washington. <laughs> he was a control freak uh, to boot. Um, he was insecure on the throne. He had uh, his wife and three of his sons murdered because he thought they were gonna try to take over the throne. In his will, he had established that when I die, he was afraid that no one was gonna mourn his death. And so he had it established and written in his will that when he died, someone from every family had to be killed so that people would cry. 
Thankfully, when he died, they didn't do it. They finally felt safe to disobey this guy. All that's a background so that when I'm, we're in this together, right? When I'm reading the text, like he's saying that for a reason, y'all. So ready, ready, ready for your part. Here it goes. In the days of Herod. The, the point being this. That, you're like, you better pick up the pace. There's a lot of verses here. The point is this, is I think a lot of times we think to ourselves, oh, it had to be easy back then, you know, in Petticoat Junction where everything was like so sweet and kind and nice and, and, and little house on the prairie. And <coughs> we haven't had a guy like that in the White House. Fact, it was very, very difficult. They were afraid of things that never occur to us to be afraid of. And so it was hard then too. So that as I'm going through this, I don't want you to say, well, yeah, they had a tribe, but I mean, everything else was pretty easy for them. Not so. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. I'll say more about that in a minute. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Well, the tribe of Aaron was the priestly tribe. So you've got a preacher here and his wife is a preacher's kid. I mean, does that ever happen? Do you ever have like the pastor is a pastor's kid and the wife is a pastor's kid. I mean, that's, <laughs> come on, that's like our leaders, right? Man, you know you're crushing it. When we used to, both of our sons are pastors and, and, and we're always like, pastor's kids are the best because man, they, if they still want to serve God, like they saw everything, right? And, and uh, aren't you grateful for them? Yeah, amen. Amen. So, yeah, that's an awesome thing. And, and so these two, it was the same. Uh, jot this down. I feel forgotten when, I feel forgotten when, the first thing is when righteousness goes unregarded. Because do you see it here? He had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous now, that's not saying that they were perfect. That's just simply saying they were fervent. They were focused. They were uh, committed and progressing in faithfulness. They were both righteous before God. Oh, gosh, look at that. Walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Ding, 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 ding. So I, that's pretty strong, y'all. And, and the thing is, though, is what comes with that is we fall so easily into the, man, I'm doing the right stuff as much as I know how to. Like I'm, I'm going to the right places at the right time, saying I'm doing the right things. And, and I, I have a, a kind of an expectation that if, if I do the things that I'm supposed to do, then you know what I'm saying? Like it's a kind of an unspoken thing, but there's an expectation there. And the fact is you begin to realize that uh, living for God is no hall pass on suffering. It's hard to figure that out and to face it. And man, I've, I've just had a couple of really significant prayer times with people in very, very, very deep uh, waters just after the first service. So I kind of know what's here. There's the certain kinds of 
trials that come even to the righteous where it seems like my righteousness is unregarded. I feel forgotten by God. The first one that came to mind was unfed. There's some people here in this room, no doubt about it. Not sure how they're going to get Christmas dinner on the table. Certainly not dreaming of a trip to the grocery store to buy whatever they want for the family feast. Having a hard time making ends meet. And if that isn't you now, but it was you once, you know that's a heavy, heavy load. Unfed, then this, unwed. I, I'm trying to obey God. I'm looking for my life partner. I gave up on the horse and Prince Charm. Don't even want that guy no more. Just <laughs> someone soon is my prayer request. And we laugh, but we know that is a heartache. Man, I'm doing the right things. I, I've tried to keep myself pure, to keep my thoughts where they need to. And some, for some people, it's, it's, I had it, I blew it, I am just hoping, am I alone now forever? That's a big trial. And when you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing and you're not seeing the things you're thinking are coming, it's just, it's, it's real, y'all. Unfed, unwed. I wanted to keep with my rhyming, so I called the next one unmed. I like to get you laughing because it makes you vulnerable. So we went to the doctor, and he said, you know, the thing is, if you had have got this, maybe just two or three years down the road, I'm sorry, but we're just not going to be able to approve you for the trial. I've had cancer twice. Uh, praise God to be cancer-free today, but I'm not, amen. I'm just not oblivious to those seasons of life where I don't have open highway out in front of me. I, I, can't, I can't see out of the fog more than half a mile down the road in terms of, that's big, that's big. And people who have been doing the right thing or trying to do it don't think that's coming it's just hard to have joy. It's hard to have joy when I feel forgotten, when righteousness is going unregarded. I guess I'll finish my list. Unfed, unwed, unmed. And some of you, your dream was for my husband and I to hear little feet running in the hallway. And our home is untread. And that's a big trial. And it plays itself out a month at a time. Sorry, no. Sorry, no. Not yet. Some of the most broken hearts that my wife and I have prayed with are the ones battling that. And that's what they were battling here. Notice that despite their righteousness and blamelessness, walking in the commandments and statutes of the Lord, notice, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. That's a biblical description, not a medical one. We know enough to know today that it could be either, it could be both, it could be neither of them, it could be just other factors. It's super, super complicated. 
and, and very much laden with judgment from others and those who have this trial this season are not looking forward to the conversations with prying family members who know a lot less than they should about appropriate inquiry. It's going to just make it harder. Elizabeth was barren. Both were advanced in years. So that's the first thing. Um, I feel forgotten when righteousness goes unregarded. Come on, God. Really? And then this. I feel forgotten when faithfulness goes unrewarded. Notice how verse 8 begins. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, I think it's interesting to note that he hadn't stopped serving. It's so easy when trials get big to put your life on hold and say, well, I'll go back to serving in the church. I'll go back to sharing my faith. I'll go back to seeking the Lord when, you know, he comes through a little bit. But right now we got to divert all our energy over here to this, this trial that he's allowed. And so we're kind of insisting that God comes through before we go back to serving again. You know what I'm talking? We feel kind of justified in it. He kind of broke the deal. Surely he doesn't expect me to keep doing my part. He's not. Now, for what it's worth, I, I haven't found God especially um, responsive to hostage situations. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, did you hear about the little boy who was writing, he'd given up on Santa, and he was writing a letter to Jesus at Christmas. Dear Jesus, I've been a good boy this year, and then he's, so he scribes that out and he says, dear Jesus, I've been a good boy this fall. <laughs> and he's just like, he looks at his paper and he's like, dear Jesus, I've been a good boy this week. <laughs> Puts his pen down. He looks around the room. He sees the nativity scene that his mother put up. He goes over and he grabs the statue of Mary. He comes back and puts it down. Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. Can we agree that God's not especially responsive to hostage situations? He's like, oh, oh, now we better do something. So we're going to see a miraculous provision here, and it's going to be a legitimate source of joy. But I felt like I needed to point out to us that God's word goes out of its way to say they did not suspend their faithfulness even though they felt forgotten. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, see up earlier in verse five, a division of Abijah, uh, the priests were divided into eight divisions. Each one took a turn serving. Verse nine, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot. So you're only on one, this, this special incense only happens one time a year. And your division is only on once every eight years. Now, there's a, the, the casting lots thing is a fairly 
I think it's fairly well understood now. It was used in various ways. They had little discs that were white on one side, black on the other, or they maybe sometimes had marbles, four marbles, two white ones, you have a picture of that, and two uh, black ones. And they would throw them down, and if the two white ones were touching, that was a yes. If the two dark ones were touching, that was a no. And if they were touching the opposite or not touching, that was a roll again. Now, that's not a biblically approved method for decision-making, okay? So just turn to your neighbor and say, don't try this at home. According to Romans 8, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us as, as followers of Christ, right? For as many as are, are baptized into one body by the Spirit. So um, we get the Holy Spirit at conversion. The question is not, do you get all the Holy Spirit? The question is, does the Holy Spirit get all of you? And that's another subject. I digress. But let me just say that um, we have the spirit to guide us. Romans 8 says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. And so the Bible is only just telling, that's why I love the scripture, it's telling you what happened. It's not saying this is awesome. It's just saying this is what happened. So they they would do this thing not prescribed in scripture. They would cast lots to decide who got to offer the incense. Well, wouldn't you know it? Mr. God's forgotten me. His number comes up. It's like, Ding, 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 Zachariah. You get to offer the incense this year. Now that was kind of a big deal because they had to go into the Holy of Holies. Do you know anything about going into the Holy of Holies? Go slowly. (laughs) They were so concerned about God's holy presence that, that when the priests would go in, once a year on the Day of Atonement, they would tie a red cord around their ankles so that if God struck them dead because they did it wrong, they could pull them out without getting under the lightning bolt themselves. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so um, he gets this big job. I'll say more about that in a minute. But um, no doubt they felt forgotten. Their righteousness unregarded, their faithfulness unrewarded. And then this, time's going on, unrelenting. Notice, it says of Elizabeth at the end of verse 7, or both of them, were advanced in years. Later when the angelic messenger comes, I'll say it now because it fits. In verse 18, Zechariah says, I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And so they feel forgotten because they feel like... um, You know, we had some big trials here and they feel forgotten because they feel like um, we've we've been faithful, kept doing our thing, but it's just doesn't seem to be happening. How many people here have been praying about one thing for a very long time? And then when weeks become months and months become years and years become decades and now you're not even a young person anymore and you have those signs of age whatever they are and I mean I'm looking at you right now some of you look pretty young others of you look like you know maybe not that many laps left (laughs) come on say like you right I know I know I'm not I'm not kidding I'm just saying it's what it is now here's truth the older you get the more you wonder 
Is this ever going to happen? A few years ago, I heard a message by David Jeremiah. Um, he's a well-known Bible teacher. I've been blessed. Kathy and I would go out to his uh, church every year and preach for him. And he'd been to a, actually, he spoke this message at a pastor's conference at our church. And um, it was really impactful. He studied every time the phrase old and advanced in years is used in the Bible. I think he was in his late 60s when he preached this. Here's what he said. You can check it out yourself. It's certainly true here. Every time the scriptures describe someone as old and advanced in years, in each instance, without exception, their greatest miracle was still in their future. That's awesome in any universe. Okay? And, and so maybe you're here today and you feel like now you're on it. I'm fine to keep going. We're doing what we did, but I gave up hoping a long time ago. It's hard to have joy at Christmas when you feel forgotten. You feel like trying to do the right thing seems like nobody's watching. And uh, this has been going on for a long time. And um, where's the reward for our faithfulness? I hear you. And God hears you. And God's about to hear them. Check this. Now, while he was serving as a priest, verse 8, before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by law to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. He's going into the temple, y'all. And how nervous would he be? I mean, this is like the uh, summa cum laude for priests, right? This is like the moment. You spend your whole life trying to figure this stuff out, trying to get ready for it. Like when I was getting ready to do these candles today, but like a lot more. I was really nervous that I was going to mess these candles up. I, messed my, I left my flammable Christmas vest at home. But can you imagine if you were getting ready to go into the presence of the Lord. I bet he couldn't sleep the whole week before. I bet he studied every single action he was supposed to take and repeating it over and over and over until he had this, this is my moment. I'm a priest. My number got called. I'm going into the Lord's presence. He's got a lot of things he's been praying about haven't been happening. Now him and his wife are past childbearing years. He's still doing his job. Now watch as he goes in because I'm moving now from I feel forgotten when to I feel joy when. And here's the first one. I feel joy when God's presence is revealed. Look at verse 11. Well, I'll read from nine. So according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by law to enter the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense it's a big deal. Everybody's on deck. So you're going into this room, just a little biblical study on the side. The room that he's in is like a cavern, a 60-foot stone floor in front of him, a 90-foot ceiling above him. It's like so quiet in there. And notice it says in the text, verse 11, 
And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Ah! Right? Come on, come on, come on. Use your imagination. This is... We all look at this. Oh, yeah, an angel showed up. Yeah, that's cool. Really? I'm going to say this is kind of a big deal. So the angel shows up and... Notice the responses. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. The word troubled there in the NIV is translated startled. It's the same word that describes the disciples' reaction to hearing that Jesus was going to be crucified. It's the same word that Jesus used in John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. It's that feeling like suddenly everything is out of my control. It's out of my hands. I had my whole incense burning plan. I was going to crush this and now the wheels are off. He was troubled and then a direct response to the Lord's presence in scripture is always a a sense of fear. And It always bothers me when when preachers say, well, that that just means respect. No, it doesn't just mean respect. It means fear. Like, well, afraid. You mean like God wants us to be afraid? There's really not a choice in the matter. It's God. I'm always nervous when I hear that one guy. You know, when I talk, when I meet God, I'm going to tell him a thing or two. What are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. The Bible says that our God is a consuming fire, that he, he dwells in unapproachable light, that no one can see God and live. Now he's in God's presence. The angel shows up. Of course he's afraid. And the awesome thing is in scripture, whenever someone is in God's presence, really in God's presence, they're on their faces. Remember uh, Peter in Luke 5? When Jesus' glory was revealed in the miraculous catch of fish. And when he says, depart from me, O Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. See, fear is the attitude of heart that seeks a right relationship to the fear source. And so that's the initial, always, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In, John, in Revelation chapter 1, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then Jesus appears to him and he says, and I saw the Lord and I fell at his feet as though dead. But he placed his right hand upon me and said, do not be afraid. I believe the most glorious human experiences are without a doubt those times when God's presence is so real to us. And he's so close and so obviously working Honestly, it's one of the things that we love, my wife and I, about this church. There's just such a sense that God is here and that God is moving and that God is working. And it's just disproportionate to who all of us are. And I mean, I've had some of the greatest moments of my life being with God's people in God's house. I mean, that's just joy. In fact, I got a little definition of joy for you here. This is what joy actually is. Joy is not happiness, okay? Joy is not like Christian happiness. That's not what it is at all. Joy is... We'll start with this. Joy is a supernatural delight. So it's supernatural. Say supernatural, come on. It's a miracle. You can't be like, I'm going to Target. I'm coming back with joy. 
I'm going down to my basement. I'm not coming up till I'm joyful. You'll be down there for a long time. It's supernatural. It's from God. You get it? It's from God. God gives joy. You see a person that has joy? God did that. God gives us joy. We want Christmas joy. Amen. They're about to get a lot of joy here in a minute. I want to make sure we know what we're talking about. Joy is a supernatural delight in three things. In, first of all, in the person of God. In God himself. I have so much joy in God himself to know him and to love him. Do you, have, do you have some family members that look at how much you love God and they're like, just tell them, it's a miracle. <laughs> you don't have to act like you're smart. You didn't figure nothing out. God has invaded your space and it has, it has rocked you, right? And, and just be like, he came for me. He, he came for me. He'll come for you too, you know? So it's a supernatural delight in the person of God. Secondly, in the purposes of God. God's working out a plan. This story's gonna end awesome. All of God's children end up in the end going, that was awesome, what you did. Now, you might not say all of it till you get to heaven. I was thinking of my mom earlier this morning and I said in the first service, my mom's in heaven right now. She's having a great day again since 2010 and she was already super strong in partying but think of it now prayed with some people after the first service who lost a grandson friend of mine calls me Friday night I was asleep I won't tell you at what time but let me just say to the seniors here it was that time (laughs) but I heard my phone ringing and I kind of sat up and tried to remember where I was and JK. So I tried to remember where I was and I could tell right away this is a wake up call and the wife was crying on the phone and little granddaughter has that that RSV thing and they're about to intubate her. So it's at that level. And can you just pray for us? Sure, absolutely. Let's pray right now. And just to be instant and go before this awesome God and to have joy in the person of God, in the purposes of God. And then here's the third thing. There's a joy in the people of God. There's just, what can we say? We got, we got a thing, right? Don't you feel like we have a thing? Yeah. Come here, we should hug. I don't know if you can stand on these. Can you stand on these? Come here, it's you. I'm going to hug you. Come here. <laughs> come on. We should, we just, we, we come. I mean it. Like, isn't it awesome? Just. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, we got a thing. And we just have a thing, Ross, don't we have a thing? There's no reason for us to have a thing. There's really no reason, except the Lord. And uh, Bill Gaither's really old now. I I never even listened to him. He was like, my my dad liked him. But he did have this one song that was pretty cool. In the lyrics say, I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. That's joy right there. That's joy right there. We're gonna have it here again on Christmas Eve if you wanna make sure that's on your calendar. Our pastor's gonna lay it out big time. But I actually really look forward to that, don't you? And those are the best days of the week. And so, 
Anyway, he was having his church experience here and this never happened to me. The angel shows up. So I feel joy when God's presence is revealed. Then this, I feel joy when God's comfort is expressed. Notice the comforting presence of this angel. The angel said to him, do not be afraid. That's what it always happens. Do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been, next word, Come on, say it. Your prayer has been? Well, that's the funniest thing because I thought it wasn't getting hurt. But it was getting hurt. All this time, it was getting hurt. It was just a matter of when. Man, I'd like to go back and relive some of those days. If I could have just known all along, known what? That God was good? That he listens to his children? That he knows how to give good gifts to his children? I do actually know it. So, your prayer has been, love that, heard, thank you, love it, heard it. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Exactly. Because can you... Because they're old and advanced in years. For some of us who are old and advanced in years, just imagine this year at the Christmas table. Here's the thing, guys. We have a little announcement we want to make. You're not going to believe this, but... Grandma and me <laughs> Miracle, right? Everyone say miracle. Yes. There's no other explanation for it. Elizabeth will bear a son and you shall call his name John. I want to say more about that in a moment. Well, there it is. And you will have joy and gladness. Joy is the heart, gladness is what comes out. Joy is the, and gladness is the woohoo. You're going to feel it and you're going to express it. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. So this is going to get shared. This is going to be some contagious joy. And then. This is a whole nother message, but this isn't some regular kid here. Five characteristics of greatness. I, I'm, I'm not gonna have time for it, but just, he'll be great before the Lord. He won't drink wine or strong drink, very common to people who God calls specially and uses specially. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah. If you don't know that that's a wow, read up. And he'll turn the hearts of the, remember remember in the, I can't resist this. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is there with his top three, Peter, James, and John. And who shows up from the Old Testament? Abraham and Elijah. This is like, this isn't like Hall of Fame. This is like, First ballot, easy, unanimous, Elijah. And turn to the hearts of the fathers, to the children and the disobedient, the wisdom of the just to make 
Anyway, this is an amazing guy. Your son's going to be amazing. He's going to be used by God. I feel like I just need to say this. We believe in the priesthood of all believers, which is that all believers can go before God and go directly to God. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. But, 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 well, all have that access to God the Father. Not all have a special call upon their life. And one of the reasons why my wife and I are in this church is because we believe that God has placed a special call upon Ryan and Amy. And we feel called of the Lord to support that in any way that we are asked to with no expectation of anything and a real joy and delight just in the privilege of lifting their arms and helping them out. They are, they are like you in the sense that they are Christ followers as you are and can point us the way. But they are not like us in that they have a special calling and with that comes a very significant weight. And we need to pray for them and support them. If you're up on that, then we're on the same page. So this John the Baptist was a guy like that. This is gonna become John the Baptist. He's gonna be very powerful, repentance preacher, strange diet, not a good dresser. but an incredible person, I feel. And so this is very comforting. This is what, what could you call this if it wasn't comforting? Do not be afraid. That's very comforting. That's what Jesus said to his disciples multiple times. This angel brings a comforting message. You have been heard. Your son is gonna be great. God is moving. It's not too late. I, this is joy. I feel joy when God's comfort is experienced. I pray that some of that joy is yours in increasing measure this moment. God does comfort his people. When you don't know what to pray for someone, pray for them to be comforted. Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort my people, declares the Lord. Second Corinthians says in the first chapter that you would be comforted with a comfort with which you can comfort others. Listen, God wants his people comforted. It is not lost on heaven that some are carrying heavy burdens. And those who undertake to bear another's burdens, Galatians 6, are fulfilling the law of Christ. So I feel joy when God's presence is revealed, God's comfort is experienced. Just two more here quickly. God's provision is detailed that's the part I just went through. It's gonna be like this. It's gonna happen like this. The outcome's gonna be like this. It's gonna be like this. You're gonna see this. The details. Last time I preached here was, I just heard that guy going not long enough ago. <laughs> it was, it was, I have mental problems. It was, it was sometime around Thanksgiving. And I challenged us to, I did, did you? you? Some of you said to yourself and to God, that you were gonna make a list of things to be thankful for because it's a great discipline. And if you did it, awesome. If you didn't, fine. But if you said you were gonna to yourself and to God and you didn't, that's a big miss. So here's some grace and an opportunity to get it afresh. If you want that Christmas joy to flow into your heart, Set your phone down, turn the TV off, get by yourself with a pen and paper, 
Write down the four or five things that God did do for you in 2022 and write down some of the detail that goes with each one of them and why you believe that God was part of that. And I promise you, by the time you set your pen down, you're going to feel some joy. Just as Zechariah felt here, but not enough because the story takes a bad turn here and I wouldn't preach this part except it's in the Bible which is one of the reasons why I believe the Bible because a lot of times it doesn't do what it should. So he's getting this awesome announcement and you're, you're like, God rocks, this is awesome. That's not what happened. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? I mean, he was just conceiving in his mind how it's gonna go when he comes home and tells his wife, we're gonna have a baby the regular way. So he's raising his complaint here and he says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Delicately stated. I'm not gonna tell her, you tell her. And this response is unbelievable. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. How many, how many angels are there? Come on, someone tell me, I got busy this week. I didn't have time to count. The Bible says myriads of myriads, 10,000s of 10,000s, more than we could count. Innumerable. How many of them do we know the name of? Two, two. Michael, Gabriel. So this is not run-of-the-mill angel here. This is, this, this is, this, and this is not a B-minus assignment. He had people who did things for him. God would tell Gabriel, Gabriel would send out his messengers, you know. So he was kind of surprised that God was like, do this one yourself. I'm not saying he has an attitude. I'm just saying he wasn't up for a lot of hassle. He's like, I, I don't know if this is really going to happen. I'm old and I'm Gabriel. Notice, I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you, to bring you this good news. Shape up, implied, or am I just reading too much of the way I see it into the text? It's pretty straightforward. Well, this will settle the matter. Because Gabriel the angel says to him, verse 20, behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Bam. What do you think Zachariah said then? And they were wondering at his delay, waiting for Zachariah. In the, like, what's he doing in there? We've all offered incense. When I did it, it didn't take that long. When he came out, he's unable to speak to them. They realized he'd seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went home. And that, how did his wife know what happened? 
she still conceived. So they must have had an active relationship. Did she even know what was going to happen? She's five months late, verse 24. Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach. Wow. So anyway, the rest of the story goes into Mary and a bunch of other stuff, but I just want to point out to you what it must have been like for this guy who wouldn't, notice this, I feel joy when God's grace is embraced. Not a lot of joy here for Zechariah, not a lot of joy. His wife comes and says, I'm pregnant. And he says, She says, come on, put your hand here. You can feel the baby kicking. And he puts his hand there and feels the baby kicking and says. The day comes and the baby's born. Well, I can actually show you that right in the text. Because if you turn over past the part about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and that glorious celebration between these two cousins, Notice, just flip the page till the end of the chapter, and it says here, verse 57, now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. Remember I said I was going to come back to the word John? I'm there now, and this is the end of it. Call him John, the angel had said. And where it says here, the Lord had shown great mercy, that's the name of, that's what the name John means. We choose names for our kids because we like the way they sound or because they have some positive inference in our experience. This is a heaven sent name, not Abraham, not, don't call him Isaac, don't call him Paul, don't call him Peter, call him John. Mute guy heard this. You're going to have a baby. Call him John. And while he was going on, I can't, I'm too old. And he wouldn't embrace the grace that God was giving. And he got struck silent. But that was in his mind. Now watch what happens here. They rejoiced. There's the joy again. With her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him. What do you think dad wanted to call him? They would have called him after his father, but his mother said, no, he shall be called John. And while all this was going on, what was Zachariah saying? And they said to her, so dad isn't talking. Mom's come up with this. You want to call him what? And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. Dude, your wife was wants to call me John. And he asked for a writing tablet. And he wrote, his name is John. He had had nine months to think about this. The Lord has been gracious to me. You call this kid what's true. I blew it before, but if this mouth ever speaks again, it's going to be saying, the Lord has been gracious to me. He's done everything I asked. Amen. Amen. 
He had missed so much, but he wasn't going to miss this. Interesting. So they said, and he said, verse 64, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke. Blessing God. Can you imagine if for our lack of faith we received nine months of silence? And how you would long to speak. This is Christmas week. And joy is increased through the expressing of it. And I commend to you these words. The Lord has been gracious to me. I don't have everything I'm praying for. I don't have everything I need. I certainly don't have everything I want. But I have it all before a faithful God and I'm remembering it there in prayer and I've been refreshed in my understanding that even when I'm not seeing a response, it's being heard. And I'm gonna get my focus where the joy flows. The Lord has been gracious to me. Someday, 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 I might be blessed to tell you our story. But it's so good to be able to turn from that and say, still, the Lord has been gracious to me. Come on, say it if you want to. Say it out loud. Come on. Who wants to lift up their voice and say it? How loud do you think he said it the first time? Father, we bow in your presence now because we want to say that we're grateful that by your spirit you use your word to convict us, to grow our faith, to, yes, to increase our joy. Forgive us for harshly assessing the situation and believing ourselves forgotten when the opposite is actually true. You say in your word that your eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth searching for those on whose behalf you can show yourself strong and we just want to say that we're here. Show yourself strong here, Lord, in our lives, in our family, this week. And in advance, we want to say by faith, the Lord has been gracious unto me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's stand and worship.